You're listening to the Full of Hope podcast. I'm RJ Hurd, and today will be the second episode of Christine Holweiler's story. We'll get to hear about her stem cell transplant experience, as well as her post-transplant life, and some awesome things she's doing to help people who work in a role that she found so critical to her care and recovery. We're going to rely on you to grow our podcast, so please share it with anyone and everyone. Because with so many options for things you can watch, read, and listen to, shouldn't one of them keep you full of hope? And now, your host, Ryan Kiggins. Hey, it's Ryan. If you haven't already listened to the first episode of Christine's story, you should probably stop this one and go back and listen to the last episode. If you have heard it already, here's a reminder of how we left off. I'm guessing they told you about potential side effects, right? Did they tell you about mucositis and yes. the fact that you'd have to have the feeding bag and yes. all those? So, yes. so what, first of all, before talking about what actually happened, what mm-hmm. were your thoughts when you heard all those things about the transplant? Yeah. I said, that's all bunk. I'm a rock star. I am not going to be that sick yes. or stay in that long and I'm going to yeah. prove it. Yes. And so I went in thinking, okay, this is not going to wear me down. I'm totally going to tackle this yeah. and move on. Yeah. Uh, much to my surprise, they were correct. I was wrong. This time we had a great time comparing notes on our transplant experiences. And it was really awesome to hear some of the things she and her husband have been up to in her post-transplant life. So let's get to it. I thought for sure, like I'm going to be the guy that just takes it like a champ, right? Yeah. Right. And then unfortunately, yeah, yeah. I think that's r- pretty rare, at least w- yeah. with the transplant. So mm-hmm. let's talk then. So you had some stuff happen during the transplant. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. what happened? So it takes a little while, right? A few days at least. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And they kept talking or questioning about the mucositis. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm fine. Because they say the mucositis usually leads to mouth sores and a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh no, I'm fine. And they check in constantly to see if that had started. And at one point it did. Mm-hmm. And that was remarkably painful. I had no understanding of what that could be. But it's, it's the strangest sensation where you feel like you just constantly have this massive mouthful of spit that you cannot get rid of, nor do they want you to swallow it. And so they do give you a cup, you know, to constantly get rid of the fluid. And at some point they even put like that dental tube in your mouth, that suck tube, because it's so constant. It's just filling your mouth with saliva. Until you just said that I had forgotten about the suck tube. Yes. And did you ever happen to make the mistake of watching them empty? I did not want to see that. No. I could imagine. No. Oh my lord! It's an ungodly sight. Like, God, it's, why did you watch that? I don't know. There's something wrong with me. Like, I did though, and it, yeah, it, oh. it doesn't doesn't help your mental state. But, no. Uh, Oh. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's it, it's really inexplicable, the amount of, it's just gunk, right? And it, yes. it's thick, and it's viscous, yes. and it's yes. just nasty. And, yes. and um, it, it did, did it lead to you? Did it lead to mouth sores? Yes. Or, okay, so talk. Yes, talk it did. That. And of course, you know, they're looking inside your mouth constantly, and allocating or um, addressing your pain level. And it was hurting. I mean, it was bearable. And again, I'm not one to turn to medication, but at one point they said, because of where you are in the process, it is time to hook you up to a morphine drip. And I was like, I don't really think I need that. And they go, oh yeah, you got to stay on top of this pain in order for you to get better. And so they hooked it up to the Hickman and uh, (laughs) it was pretty funny because they monitor how many times you click because you, I think you can only click it every 20 minutes or so. And I wasn't clicking at all, right? Because I don't want it. And oh. so I would get reprimanded. They'd come in and they go, well, Christine, I see you've only clicked this once in two hours. Oh, uh, you need to use this more readily. Oh. And so I was like, okay, you know, if they say it's time to go, then I started clicking it more and it did make a huge difference. It was my 
um, reluctance that caused that pain to continue. But as soon as they pushed me to follow their directive, then it was better. Oh, because you're a rule follower. You know how to do what they tell you to do. So I I think I wore the button out. I think they kept having to replace (laughs) the button. And so technically you can click it as many times as you want, right? They're yeah. not, they're only going to medicate you though, like every, you know, whatever, 20 minutes or however yeah. often it is. So you started doing that to keep the pain under control. Did it have an effect on you in terms of your energy level mm-hmm. or your sleep mm-hmm. pattern or anything like that? Yeah. Did that, okay, yeah. talk about Well, that. those were already completely disrupted right? Because of all the drugs I'd been given and was still receiving and the sleep that was completely disrupted. You know, you don't sleep ever in a hospital. Um, And just that the constant sounds, I mean, the beeps and the buzzers and the activities that are going on, not only in your room, but in the rooms beside you. What about that elevator? Were you near the elevator? Yeah. You hear everything. Yeah. And you do your best to, uh, to kind of drown, drown it out. Um, I spent a lot of time playing games on an iPad. I'm not really a TV person. So we got an iPad and, and that was helpful. I spent a lot of time hmm. playing games on what, that screen. What was your go-to game? As silly as it sounds, it was a puzzle game. Yeah. Just because you, know, you have to focus, you get to totally immersed in the yeah. game and you don't think about all the sounds and all the people and all the activities around yeah. you that was helpful that's a good tip sounds like a good tip yeah yeah what kind of was it crossword puzzle or a puzzle i did that too yeah Bejeweled. what's what was the name of that game that was so popular a few years ago on the ipad candy crush maybe it was candy oh. crush that no wasn't i didn't your play thing? that one no. so you played an actual puzzle game like a mental correct. game where you had to use your brain correct so your sleep disrupted. What happened with me was I was on so much morphine. Like, I feel like I slept 90% of the oh. time. Once I started on that, I was very, very sleepy and I got my nights and days mixed up. Oh. So I, I w- I'd be up from like three to, you know, nine in the morning type of thing hmm. um, for a while, which was kind of wonky. But how long did the mu- mucositis and how mm-hmm. long were you on, on the morphine drip? Do you remember how long that mm-hmm. lasted? The morphine was short-lived. I do remember them disconnecting it, mainly because I wasn't using it. So evidently I wasn't in that much pain. Mm. And so- Or you're just much tougher than me. That could be it also. We've already answered that question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then it was like releasing that and then you know trying to hit those certain benchmarks about engraftment and whether or not your cell, the new cells are making home in your bone marrow. So talk about those benchmarks. Do you remember like what they told uh, you? Getting counts, like yes. that, that type of thing. Oh yeah. I remember endless reviews of counts Yeah, and the good and the bad and yeah. what they mean and what's our alternative. Where do we go? How do we correct it? How do we complement it? Yeah. Um, this is probably the most chemo brain, if you will, that I uh-huh. had. Because thankfully, uh, I had a full-time care provider with my husband. And so he handled a lot, if not most, of that technical communication because I was totally out of it. You yeah. know, I didn't have the capacity to engage in much communication other than small chat with yeah. my nurses. Huh. I, and I didn't ask a lot of questions because at this point, it felt like I had achieved the final benchmark. And now I just need to recover. Yeah. Now I need time yeah. to hit those key benchmarks like day 100. I mean, that's a critical one post-transplant to see. I mean, obviously you've been discharged by then, um, but to really monitor mm-hmm. how your cell counts have yeah. recovered. Well, so before we get to day 100, so let's let's talk a little bit. First of all, we mentioned mucositis and some of those side effects, right? Within mm-hmm. your mouth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with how this works, but I, I certainly wasn't. But your mouth and gums are all part of your intestinal tract. It's all Correct. one organ. So your yes. mouth and gums all the way through down to your stomach, right? Yes. And those cells in your mouth and gums die off and regenerate more quickly than any other cells in your body. Right. And when you don't have an immune system, which you don't, right? When you prepare yourself mm-hmm. for the transplant and your cells are dying off so quickly, 
they can't regenerate because Correct. you don't have an immune system to help them regenerate, which is why things start breaking down and you get the Correct. mouse sores and the mucositis and yes. all those, all those negative things. Um, so then the sign, at least the early sign for when you're starting to recover or, and when your cells have, you know, taken home, right? They've mm -hmm. grafted into your body, the new cells, your sister's immune system is now becoming your immune system kind of the first early signs are you start to see your immune system build you get white blood cell your white and red blood cells increase right correct but then things start healing a little yes. bit and feeling yes. a little bit better and this is still with when you're within the hospital right um you start getting your counts yes um did they tell you what had to happen before you mm. could leave the hospital they like likely what? did, hmm. but I don't remember, remember what that so, message was. So what I remembered was that essentially, obviously, you have to have counts, right? Like you yes. have to have shown successful graft. Um, but then I needed to be able to swallow pills. So uh, yeah, I, I do oh, actually, that. I never found out. Did you end up on the bag, the, the, feed, the feed feeding bag? bag? Yeah. Only once during the transplant you didn't have it no. like you were eating during transplant no i think they just pumped me full of fluids oh. until i was at a point where i was comfortable eating again wow uh, and that my mouth would tolerate it yeah i just was so anti-feedback and thankfully oh. they listened right they didn't force it upon me like originally mm -hmm. um and i think i was i mean if i could remember well enough it seems like i was eating a little bit I mean, food didn't really? sound as yeah. terrible during that time. Oh. Um, of course, now I'm not getting the chemo, right? Mm -hmm. Now I've had sure. the chemo. Yeah. Now I've had the cells mm. and now we wait. Yeah. And so, you know, it was... So that wasn't an issue for you. So for me, I went weeks without eating, without swallowing food. So then for me to be able to be released, I had, I had to be able to swallow food, right? Yeah. Because ultimately I needed to be able to take my meds was the biggest Correct. thing. Correct. Um, so, but you were kind of able to do it at least periodically the yeah. whole time. So it wasn't yeah. a big issue. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So you were only in for a few weeks and you got to go home once you got, once you got counts. How did you feel like checking out of the hospital? Oh, yeah. Like uh, a rock star. You know, I'm not coming back to this place ever again as an inpatient. Yeah. You all did great work. Yeah. Super people. You're fantastically talented, but I am not going to come back and visit you. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to say. We'll never see you again. Yes. Although I did go back long after to visit yeah. the oncology floor again. Right. Um, but I didn't go back to transplant. But checking out was like an, was that, would you say that oh. was like an empowering day? Like, did oh, it feel amazing? Oh, yeah. Totally liberating, rejuvenating. Yeah. And it's like a rebirth which is what a transplant birthday is. Yeah. Um, and it really was true to form because you are finally, your body is finally cooperating mm -hmm. and doing what it needs to do mm -hmm. in order to keep you well. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty powerful. And measurably so, right? Like they're yes. testing the daylights out of it. So, you yes. know, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is cool for you because you get to then go home after yes. after this you stay in the hospital to get yes. your cells and yes. is the next milestone then that day 100 the biopsy mm -hmm. or the the mm -hmm. testing that they do after that our goal with the full of hope podcast is to hear from and share with as many people as possible this is where we need your help please tell your friends and family about us so that we can grow if you want to share your story go to fullofhopepodcast.com and fill out the form on the get on our podcast page or search for Full of Hope Podcast on all social media platforms and reach us there. We ourselves are full of hope that we can help thousands of people, but we can't do it without your help. So thank you for helping us grow. Let's talk about kind of from the time you check out and you're staying at home, waiting, just kind of recovering. How did that go? Mm -hmm. What was life like? Yeah, and they have a really great discharge program when you're leaving post-transplant. And so the SCCA has a team that really helps orient you to your new way of living mm. outside of the hospital. You know, so for example, you're not supposed to get new pets. You can have your old pets, but you can't have new pets. You shouldn't have any potted plants in your house. Uh, 
the people who visit are people who have either masked up or and or have had their flu shots you know so pretty strict parameters about who can visit when you eat food none can be raw unless you've washed it at home so if you go out to a restaurant you have to get baked vegetables and fruit because there could be bacteria on it mm -hmm. that will impact you the patient mm -hmm. and so i so desperately wanted to have a salad at a restaurant you know it's a lot of work at home yeah but to be able to get one at a restaurant would be such a gift wow a and salad that, for you yes who would have thought because i just yeah. got tired of baked hot entrees Veggies. yeah yeah. So one other thing I remember, so this is all because your immune system is wildly Correct. suppressed, right? And Correct. and built actually like growing up as a baby. It literally yes. is a baby. So yes. so it's developing. Uh, another thing I remember is everything. So I don't know if you eat meat or not, but mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a burger guy, right? So okay. every burger had to be well, well done. done. Yes. And um it's funny because th that was a it feels like it was a brief time in my life when yeah. when everything had to be well done yeah. there are people in my life though who rem who like still if i'm around them and getting burgers they're like okay we got to do a well done run one for ryan i'm like no like i'm beyond it yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but just these precautionary things yes. that you need to be yes. very very careful of and so talk I mean, obviously, COVID didn't exist then, right? At the time, but yeah. but it, it in today, like, are are you extra cautious? Or do you mm -hmm. feel still feel like you're in a risk category for? Well, um, I do only because I have GVHD. So some transplant patients um, experience graft versus host disease after the transplant, and those areas of GVHD also need to be treated mm -hmm. because GVHD can, can be fatal. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have had all five types of GVHD and now I'm still receiving treatment for GVHD of the skin and lungs. Hmm. And so that's, that's an ongoing process. So I'm just now approaching year five and I'm still receiving treatment. Yeah. Wow. So so graft versus host disease is essentially because so if you you know i'm sure people have heard about organ transplants right and having to take medication so your body doesn't reject it when you go through a stem cell transplant the organ that's replaced is your immune system which is Correct. in your entire body right and affects Correct. every organ in your body yes. and essentially graft versus host disease is your body trying to fight against your new immune system to some degree right so right. Right. Um, it's foreign it, it's considered foreign yeah it's mm -hmm. foreign to your body mm -hmm. so when did that become apparent that you were you were going to have to deal with some gvhd stuff yeah that was probably a bit past discharge like probably maybe it was at about 100 day 100 the first episode started servicing. So you you constantly get your mouth looked at mm -hmm. because they want to see if that lacing is on the surface of the inside of your mouth. Mm -hmm. um, they do a lot of tests, blood tests included, yeah. to watch counts because counts can indicate uh, response and reaction to GVHD someplace yep. in your body. Um, so a lot of enzymes in particular are monitored, especially with your liver, because your liver and kidneys can be impacted by GVHD. Um, your eyes, definitely, what, my eyes were impacted. So it was kind of sequentially. It's like I never had all five at one time. Mm. It was like one or two, then we get it resolved and something new would pop up. And so it was episodic. You know, it was yeah. over time that well, one would occur and be solved and then something else would come up i'm i'm curious so you're you got your immune system from your sister and Correct. i remember you saying it was a, a perfect match and that's yes. rare does that have any impact on this because I, I don't know yeah i'm into it that would is this is it common mm. is it uncommon if it's a perfect match should you not have any of that well, that's a good question. Um, they say statistically, if it's a family donor, 70% um, will not have, will have GVHD, excuse me, and 30% will not. So you can avoid it if you're lucky enough. I'm not quite sure what 
that is all about. What could I have done for it to not affect me? I have no idea. But I was in the bigger group and uh, the probability hit me, hit hard, um, and still is with me today. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll come right back to that in a second. But to answer your question, at least when I went through it, RJ, they, I wanted, you said there's 10 markers, right, that they mm -hmm. look at for a perfect match. I also had a perfect, I had four perfect matches through the Bomer registry, right? None of my yeah. family did, but, but I did ask them kind of ahead of time, like how many, how many of those factors do you have to have a match on to even be able to qualify to do a transplant? Yeah. And at the time, I think they said they do it with seven, like worst okay. case scenario, they could do it with type matching the seven of the 10, but that, that greatly does increase your likelihood of getting GPHD because it's... So in the best of circumstances, your body's going to freak out potentially. And it, when you have now a 70% match, your body's much more likely to resist what's entered it in terms of the cells. So um, I'm sure people who don't have the perfect 10 out of 10 experience it to a greater degree than those that yes. do. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did, did you have GBHD, Ryan? Yeah, I did. But okay. so what was interesting with me was... I only, I had it in my mouth, so it was visible in my mouth, and you had it in your mouth as well, right? What mm -hmm. was first for you? What did you notice? Mouth. What Mouth. Okay, mouth. so when I had my mouth and then my kidney and livers, mm -hmm. and my kidneys and liver mm -hmm. as well, but with mine, it, it was detecting my kidney and liver because just because of the blood work. Like, yeah. I had... There was no, I had nothing functioning wrong. Everything worked well. Right. My mouth didn't even hurt. I just yeah. wouldn't have known otherwise, other than they were just telling me it looked, yeah. you know, white or yellow yes. or whatever in there. I should brush my teeth or something. But, <laughs> but I had discolorization in the roof of my mouth. Um, so what was it like for you? Like, how did, how did they discover it in you? Did you feel anything mm -hmm. or? Mm -mm. No, okay. um, like you, they see it. And they recognize it and they certainly record it and monitor. So there's a lot of ongoing monitoring just to see if it progresses worse or if it reduces and disappears. So mine also started in the mouth and then went to the liver in particular and had to have some biopsies on that just to see if oh, really mm -hmm, just okay. to see if anything had metastasized or was going on. Okay. Within that organ. So your liver GBHD must have been more extreme than mine because I never had anything done other than mm. monitoring it. So, okay. so they biopsied you. Yes. Oh. Yeah. What does this biopsy lead your, your liver? What, what What does this lead to? Like, is is it going to lead back to getting another cancer? Is it? I mean, what is it? What are the? No, symptoms? I think I think what they try to figure out is how do you treat it. So first, we need to find out where it is, if it's anywhere. And second of all, how bad is it? And third of all, what's the line of attack? How do we fix it, which is traditionally through medication, um, in order for it to go away? So there was a great deal of medications that I was prescribed. For example, I've been on prednisone for probably, as I hate to admit it, three years at least. Mm -hmm. You yeah. still are on prednisone? Yeah. We're it, tapering, but it's yeah. still there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... But but to the the kind of extreme answer to your question, RJ, is what I was told was the thing that gets a lot of people with their transplant that will actually, if they end up not surviving, is graft-versus-host disease. Yeah. It can greatly affect your organs to the part, yeah. point where they can't recover. So it can be very deadly well, you, if it's not treated. You did say it could kill you. I, I remember. Yeah. 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 And that's why they do so much blood tests because they monitor every single count you ever could imagine mm -hmm. that you, many things you didn't even know they could count. Mm -mm. They can pull from blood. It's, yeah. it's pretty remarkable. It truly is. I, you know, I remember actually the, the day that I was actually diagnosed, the email that I sent out to all my friends and family is just go get some, when was the last time you had your blood work done? Yeah. Cause it's very telling and can yes. be very powerful and in, in yes. helping understand problems. So yes, as is yeah. a PET scan. I mean, that's hard to get, you know, you have to have a serious diagnosis in order to get a PET, PET scan. And I was really surprised by the data, the information that came from it. Hmm. I didn't realize that cancer loves sugar, you know, and so with that test, they inject you with some kind of sugar substance. 
Hmm. And wherever cancer cells are in our body, they'll eat it and will be visible as a light on the scan. Amazing. So that whole process was really interesting. Of course, yeah. you don't want any lights on your scan. No. And I have to say the first one I had had a lot of lights and uh, that was helpful and very diagnostic as well. Yeah. And then the final scan, because you usually get it at the beginning and the end, uh, my final PET scan had no lights. Oh. So that's like a gift. How amazing was that? Do you have, did you get a copy of that? Uh, I don't think I even asked for it. No. Oh, really? Not interesting. They do, but I don't. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Amazing. So, so you've got, well, actually, before we, so RJ, remind me, come back to GVHD, accessing brain information, right? Um, we'll come back to GVHD. But before we go on, something I, I remembered I wanted to ask you about. In preparation for the transplant, one thing they're very concerned about is your lung health. At yes. least they were with me, right? Yes. Do you, can, you, can you describe or tell us the, mm -hmm. the pulmonary, pulmonary, the lung testing day? Like, do you yes. remember how that went? Was there yes. a woman in there that was extraordinarily enthusiastic? Yes, they all okay. are. Okay. They have to okay. be. Okay. Right. So with that pulmonary function test, you need a coach. Yes. Right, because you have to do certain things at certain times during certain tests, and you and I wouldn't know how to do it nope. on our own. Nope. And so they have these individuals, these lung, I don't know, the pulmonary therapists, mm -hmm. who really coach you through as you wear that um, that thing in your mouth because they, you know, they clamp everything. It's like a scuba mouthpiece. Yeah, and clamp your nose to make sure no other air yep. is getting in or out. And they just constantly assess your lungs. It's well, their health and their distribution of, of uh, oxygen. And you're in, so for me, I remember being in a room in a glass, essentially a glass box. Correct. And the coaches outside the thing, yes. monitoring the, looking yes. at the computer screen. Yes. And she's like counting down, you know. Yes. How long and then it's, push, 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 push. push. <laughs> yeah. It's just so, It's so remarkable much. that it's picking up any exhale because oh. to me, I think there's nothing out there, but the computer does pick up exhale. They make you push until there's yes. nothing, like you said, there's nothing left. And the coaches are so just on it. Like, the, yes. oh, it's, it's. Yes. It it's a real console. experience. Yes. yes. My wife got a huge kick out of it because she got to be, I think she got to be in there the first time, but it didn't let her in the second time because I felt <laughs> self-conscious about it maybe or something. But, but yeah, it's like a real deal. Like, yeah. I don't know what other, uh, there's probably services where you can just go have that type of thing measured, sure. but it's a very, it's a real, uh, it's a real experience. Let's just yeah. say getting your yeah. lung capacity measured yeah. every which way <laughs> till Sunday. And, yeah. um, and you leave exhausted because exactly. it feels like a huge workout and it's not yes. short. It's not a short. Yes. Test. Yeah, exactly. And I was trying to describe to someone that like my lungs have just ran a marathon. Yeah. My lungs are so tired, yeah. but I'm not. Right. My yeah. body hasn't done anything but sit no. in this glass bubble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been yelled at like yes. in a positive way, but yes. like very, yeah. Yeah. It's quite an, the, the pulmonary experience. Yeah. I forgot about that. I never it told of It kind of reminds me what we'd see when Lance Armstrong was assessing his With the oxygen level, right? So he'd exercise and they'd be assessing intake and output constantly. Yeah. Kind of a similar situation. Well, the setup only... is the same with yeah. your face and all that stuff. Yeah. You're right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I don't, I don't think we were I don't remember do, having to do anything particularly physical. Like we weren't running or anything. It Correct. was more just blowing out, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I have Ooh. some more of those tests this Friday. How about that? Really? Oh yeah. Cause I'm still getting care for my lungs. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that brings us right back to GVHD. Yeah. So first mouth. Yes. Then liver. You had a biopsy. Yes. Then lungs. Then lungs. So how did it how did it manifest in the lungs? Like was it was it through the measuring the mm -hmm. test? The well, they just automatically knew what to look for and mm -hmm. wanted to do the test okay. just to see. You know, it's not painful. It's no. just uncomfortable because yeah. you can't breathe normal. Yeah. Um, but they just wanted an assessment, kind of a benchmark to understand where I was, and then where to go from there. 
And so it was with that first test that they confirmed that that lung capacity is limited because it's kind of like a scab. It's holding my lungs to only being able to go to a certain level, right? Folks who are healthy, their lungs just flow freely. Whereas mine kind of have like this hard crust around them and they can only go so big. And there's really no way to reverse it, but you can prevent it from getting worse. And so that's the protocol for treatment is prevention of more progress of GVHD in the lungs. Okay, so the treatment for the, well, first of all, did you require any kind of treatment for the mouth or liver besides taking prednisone? Yeah, and yeah, the medications. I have a lot of medications I still take. Okay. Post transplant. Okay. So then for the lungs to treat the lungs, it's, it's exercises. It's like, yeah. Okay. Okay. And I have a special inhaler that I take. That's a little bit different than what you might normally have, but this has all kinds of different medications in the inhaler itself Hmm. that help. I'm kind of tapering from four puffs a day to three And originally the pulmonologist wanted to go to two and it was markably more difficult to breathe. I hadn't anticipated that it was that drastic. Yeah. I kind of thought I could get off this at some point, but it showed me that I can't, at least in the near future. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that means, you know, three months from now, but Mm -hmm. right now, um, and assuming that my pulmonary test is normal for me, Mm-hmm. on Friday, we'll probably just continue on the, on the path that we're on today and not make any more changes. Yeah. But the inhaler helps okay. a lot. Yeah. Um, so I have been using that for quite a while. They've changed medications on the inhaler a bit Yeah. for all kinds of different reasons. Some have steroids, some don't. And so they, they fiddle with that, mm. with what fits best. And they used prednisone to manage some of that GVHD as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so were you ever on high dose prednisone? Because you don't have the moon face thing. I was very lucky, and I don't know why. I you never got that. it? No. Oh. I mean, at one point, I was taking 60 milligrams a day. That's a lot of prednisone, mm-hmm. and you can't sleep. You know, when you take a lot of prednisone, your sleep pattern is completely mm-hmm. disrupted among yeah. a bazillion other things. Well, let's talk about the other things. Well, so, what, how else were you moon affected? Moon face first. You can't say moon face and then <laughs> let it go. Well, you kind of know when someone is going through this kind of treatment by their look. Yeah. And so whether you're young or old and you're on prednisone, you just balloon out in your face. Yeah. And some of us get it and some of us don't, even though our medication levels may be the same, but Mm -hmm. we process them differently, I suppose. Um, I was lucky, very lucky. RJ, do you remember me telling you when I was on high dose prednisone that I would look ahead and I would see my cheeks oh, yeah. as if like I've heard that like I could visibly see, like it was crazy yes. yeah yeah that's moon face that's yes. moon face that's just yeah. massive yeah round round face yeah. um so did so sleep it affected your sleep how about oh, your eating yeah. did it make you hungry uh no no didn't affect it your... made me less appetite. likely to eat yeah wow okay yeah, give me a voracious it, appetite yeah it affected uh, temperament more moody, more cranky, more challenging. I was challenging. just going to say, I became the biggest a-hole on the history yeah, of the planet. Exactly. When I had prednisone. Yeah. Yes. You uh, lose that filter. Did you lose yes. your filter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you don't know it, right? Until you see the reaction of other people. Of and they're like, people. wow, that's pretty mean. Why did you say it that way? Yeah. I'm like, buck up. You can yeah. handle it. If yeah. I can handle it. Yeah. Uh, vision, definitely. The blurred vision. Mm. I still have that now, thus the glasses. Um, okay. Affected your so then vision. I work with ophthalmology. You know, So the ophthalmologist is watching my eye health in particular. And one of the markers post TBI are cataracts. Mm-hmm. And so I have them starting. They're not to the point of surgery, but they're being monitored now. Mm-hmm. And that's the result of the treatment before the transplant. Yeah. Yeah. So eyes were hit hard. You get a lot of dry eye. You get a lot of eye watering, like constantly. Mm. My one eye, for whatever reason, this one was constantly tearing. Did you get, so I had that too. And then Mm -hmm. because I had to take, there was a medicate, an eye drop that Mm -hmm. I had to take, whatever it had in it, because my eyes watered so much, it burned 
it like oh. burned my skin out here. Oh, where, wow. where my eye, where the, the tears came out yeah, of, yeah. it burned, it burned my skin. Oh, and then I also have GVH of the skin. Well, th- yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about that. that, that that's okay. an interesting, I mean, they're all interesting, but yeah. Yeah. So this one I've been receiving treatment for and still am receiving treatment for as they try to figure out how GVHD is affecting my skin. And it's a little deceiving because it's not necessarily your skin, it's the muscle sheath underneath your skin. So the sheath that surrounds our muscles, that part gets really hard. And so at one point pressing my, I'll use my calf as an example, was as hard as a rock. And that's because the sheath was hard as a rock. And so they try all kinds of different medications to see what will help that become soft again. Mm. So they do uh, an extensive pinch test where they want, like if you pinch your hand and you see how easily your skin collects, mine didn't do that at all. It was like pinching a piece of paper. There was no gathering. And so they would, oh, they weird. still, even today, do these all over body pinches yeah. to see where the skin is loose enough to go into a pinch. Huh. And parts of my body won't do that. At parts all. of my body are getting better at that. Is it painful? No. No pain? No. Huh. Not, not at all. With the exception, I think the leg cramps I have are in connection to that. Mm. Um, that part's no fun. Um, but that's a small price to pay to have this under treatment. Yeah. That's a, that's a good thing because it's not going to get worse. Right. They just monitor it to make sure it only gets better because it won't get worse with the medications. To support the full of hope podcast, please go to the support the podcast page on full of hope podcast.com. If you believe in our goal to help people through difficult situations by being able to hear the positive outcomes of those who've been through them themselves, your support will be huge to help us grow. The the treatment for the skin then is medic some medication type of thing. Yeah, the, okay. so I'm taking Jacophy for that and prednisone. Okay. Yeah. Are are you still on? I'm guessing you're still on immunosuppression then, since you're having mm-hmm. GVHD. Well, those are immunosuppressive. Jacophy well, and prednisone. Oh, Jacophy is okay. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. So I was on. Did you ever have something called tacrolimus? Oh is yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you have to get tests to see what your tac levels are. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. It took year like you know, many years to taper off of that, right? Like when you start down that path where you've got GVHD and they're trying to control it, of course, they don't want you to be on medication any longer than you, than you have to, but they also need to keep the GVHD at bay. Right. Did they talk to you at all about graft versus leukemia? Hmm. So something they told me, maybe they've learned more um, since I went through it, but what they told me was a certain level of GVHD is desirable because yeah because it has what's called a graft versus leukemia effect that basically the instead of attacking your organs um it attacks the hiding leukemia cells in your body so that there's kind of a thought i had a really really rare leukemia and it was unlikely i was ever even going to get into remission to begin with but they kind of think now that I had the right level of GVHD mm. to kill mm. off the, the rest of the leukemia in my body. Wow. So that's yeah. kind of a, so that's part of that balance of wanting to yeah. get rid of it. Right. But at the right speed, you know, they have Correct. to do very careful tapering and things yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. The tapering is almost painful. It's so slow. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, but yeah. you have to monitor in the yeah. process to make sure that your body's not reacting adversely yeah. to the change. Yeah, I remember probably my wife was more frustrated with the tapering process than me because she couldn't wait for me to get off of prednisone because I was such a jerk. And, it, you know, I had young kids at the time. So, yeah. like you said, I didn't realize it until I saw their or her reaction to stuff I was saying or doing. So, yeah, you know, it's it yeah. it, it can really affect, you know, people's relationships, their yes. response to these medications, for sure. Yes. Did it make you smarter? Oh, 10 times smarter. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. When I was on prednisone, Christine, yeah. like, I, so I was a uh, computer programmer. Uh, when I was on that, 
I, I was crazy yes. smart, intelligent. Yes. Like, yes, I hear you because I'll say this because sleep is so much more difficult now when I wake up and my brain is like on, mm -hmm. and if I don't have paper next to me, I'm going to lose all these really great ideas. I mean, yeah. I come up with solutions to problems I never knew were possible. So yes, you are right. It yes. does make you smarter. It's like things are just aligned differently yeah. than when you're awake, or at least for me, from when I was awake. And I was just like, dang, that was a good idea. What was that? I didn't yes. write it down. Isn't yeah. that wild? Okay, RJ, give your disclaimer. Do you remember your disclaimer when I said that last time? Um, No. Is it that are you going to start off with, you're going to think this is funny? No, I'm not. No. The disclaimer is don't take drugs to get smarter. Ah, there you go. But for some reason, prednisone. It turns on part of your brain. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. makes you a total a-hole. So yeah, nobody will you. listen to you, yes. but, but you, you will be smart. That's okay. So, yeah. So, so we're five years out. You're still mm -hmm. undergoing some treatment for graft versus host. Um, how often do you have testing on mm -hmm. the cancer that you were uh, fighting? Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I don't. I mean, no the more. tests, no, the tests I receive are blood tests okay. to see what's going on internally as yeah. well as, you know, if numbers are high or low and those indicators and what they mean. Yeah. Um, when I asked Dr. Cassidy, how will I know? when and if it's back and he said i'll tell you what he said you will have a splitting headache that you cannot medicate he said when you get that massive headache come back to me really i have not had that massive headache yeah thankfully yeah, yeah. so in my head that's what i'm thinking you know that that might be the first marker to know is, is that because the you you had cancer in your spinal fluid i'm not sure I didn't huh. press any further. I just yeah. said, okay, okay, I'll make note. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now but every it was, time you have a headache. I know. You're hyper paranoid. I'm like, wait, how bad is this? How bad is this? No. Can I take yeah. this? <laughs> That's take right. That exactly. I can take it. I can take it. I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, actually, so we never really talked much about um, the treatment for the stuff in your spinal fluid. Like how, mm -hmm. how was that? how was that different or how did that supplement the other treatments mm -hmm. that you mm -hmm. went through? And again, the professionals were communicating, the right? So they're all reading the same report. So they know A knows what B is doing and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And the neuro oncologist at SCCA, rock star, he's since retired. He's mm -hmm. amazing, but he made it possible to manage and to get through all of that. Um, but his protocol that he followed was five months, I think it was five, where the first week of every month, I would have an assessment and an infusion in the Omaya tap every day. And so by the end of that week, I felt pretty crummy because I was getting meth, 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 I can't start with meth. <laughs> that doesn't sound good. Methotrexate? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. Just and by the end of the week, you know, I was feeling pretty crummy, but then I knew I'd have another month mm -hmm. before I was going back to him. So an infusion is just a name for like, they're basically putting something into that device. Yeah. He's like put it into injection. that little bubble. Yeah. 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 And then he'd also pull cells out uh. on the first day. And then by the time I came back on the second day, he would tell me if there were any cancer cells, mm -hmm. there weren't but he would still go through the protocol. But, and then mm. after a certain number of months, he said, okay, we're good to go. Mm. You've been clean for four months and mm. I don't think you need any more of the medication nor yeah. do you need any more tests. Wow, amazing, oh wow, no more tests. So yeah. you're not having spinal taps or lumbar punctures to check anymore. So, so I'm- And I never will, I never will have that. They'll always go to this thing. Oh yeah, cause head. it's always there, that's yes. right. Oh yes. my gosh, that's so cool. So um, good point. Um, most people haven't had a Hickman device, right? And mm -hmm. don't know what kind of that sensation is like when they mm -hmm. flush it and it's like a mm -hmm. cool, you can feel the liquid yes. going and stuff like yes. not uncomfortable, but it's like no. a cool, like very, you can really sense it, right? Yeah. How, how does the, the thing going into your brain, is that similar? Like, do you feel something up there when they're, mm -hmm. they're pulling stuff in or, or 
No, and it actually kind of hurts. So it's sensitive, right? Because you've got your skin around the capsule. And so, in the, and they even give you this special stuff to rub on it before you go in for your treatment. Because when he puts the needle in, I feel it. I mean, that's not oh, pleasant. Okay. Uh, okay. Because yeah. Skin, Cause there's not something sticking out yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's an injection yeah. into your yeah. skull basically. So both pulling out cells and putting treatment in mm. you feel. Oh, wow. And that's not fun. Did you ever play the trick on anybody where you pretended to lose your memory when they took stuff out of your brain? <laughs> no, no, I didn't try that one. Mm. <laughs> I would never time. have stopped doing that move. <laughs> I mean, it definitely would have got old after the second time, but yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, mean, to this, them, not to me, but yes. Yeah, but know. this oncologist was so awesome hmm. i mean every time i was in there he and his wife did still do a lot of scuba diving around the world wow and he would have photos and he would have stories of their most recent trip and so he was so animated in talking about his passion that i didn't really even pay attention to wow. what he was physically doing wow um, which helped a lot yeah and, and on top of that he was just super funny and really an interesting person to talk with yeah that you just disconnect, yeah. don't pay attention. I mean, so I, I went to the SCCA as well and I couldn't rave more about my oncologist as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, who, who knows? I'm sure everywhere there are good, are good you know, yes. physicians and science. These are essentially scientists, right? Like yes. just brilliant, brilliant scientists. But yes. the bedside manner and that connection with patients mm -hmm. is so critically important in my mind um, mm -hmm. because, I don't know how many people you engaged with. Well, mm -hmm. uh, you, you deal on the philanthropy side of it, I guess, but how many other patients you engaged mm -hmm. with. But for me, I wanted to connect with other patients as much yes. as I could. And the ones that had a positive outlook almost every time had a, a positive outcome. Yes, I agree. And, and that is driven, can be driven so much by the people that you encounter, including the people caring for you. So, yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Huge shout out to the SCCA and all of the all yeah. of the branches of it, right? Yes, you know, UW and Fred Hutch and Children's yes. Hospital. Yeah, yeah. I know when I was um, pre-transplant, when I was having my inpatient stays at UWMC, that new floor in the Montlake Tower, eight SA, was my floor. It's massive, and if you walk, I can't remember if it were seven or nine laps, you've walked a mile. And so the, the clinicians were constantly encouraging me to get up and out of the room. You've mm -hmm. got to move, drag your pole along with you because you've got all kinds of garbage hooked to the pole, mm -hmm. it has to come with you, but you must move. And so my goal, gosh, it was like before noon, I would try to make sure I had walked four to five miles. I mean, I was a constant buzz, if you will, in the hall because I was told I had to do it. I would get better if I did that. And During I walk, transplant? Yeah. No, this is pre-transplant. Okay. During my treatments, okay. my okay. five inpatient treatments. Okay. okay. But I would walk past rooms of fellow patients who stayed yeah. in their bed, stayed yeah. in their room, and never came out. Yeah. And I have to say, I left the floor more often before they did. And I think it yeah. had everything to do with move, movement and water. Mm -hmm. You know, they tell you to drink a lot mm -hmm. of water. And they monitor yeah. how much liquid you're consuming yeah. because those factors have a positive impact on your recovery. I mean, I remember at least in treatment before the yeah. transplant, I was able to eat and drink just fine. No problem. But yeah. they were also giving me so much fluid. So yeah. like through the Hickman device, True. I just remembered the, the, uh, without, well, never mind. I was going to get yeah. crass. I decided not to, <laughs> this is me filtering myself. Good this job. has never happened in the history <laughs> of life. Let's talk a little bit about, have you noticed any changes mentally, like mm -hmm. out, outlook on life? Like mm -hmm. what, how has it affected your relationships? Your, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of mentally, what, yeah. what have the impacts been? How are you different now? You know, those types yeah. of things. Yeah, that's a good question. I had a, I had a follow-up appointment with Dr. Cassidy probably nine months ago, I would say, when I saw him. And he asked me the same question. He said, you know, I see a lot of patients like you, most of whom I have to medicate for depression. He said, it's very normal, right? For folks to get really sad and down 
during this process, but somehow you stayed above it. He said, what was your trick? Do you have a methodology that I could share with other patients that worked for you that may work for them? Yeah. And it was pretty easy for me. I said, because this is kind of like my mantra during care. I said, I had three thoughts always in mind during this whole experience. One, trust the team. Regardless of which new physician I was seeing or new treatment or protocol was being followed, you got to trust them. They know what they're doing a whole lot more than I do. So you just have to wholeheartedly put your faith in their hands and go forward. Uh, the other was this period is temporary. This is not my way of life. This is just this, this chapter of life that will change and end at some point um, because it's not permanent. It is temporary. And the third was teaching myself to focus on today and what was happening today, because I know tomorrow I'm gonna to have a really crummy test. It's gonna hurt. It's not going to be pleasant. But if I sit today and think about that, it's gonna to ruin today. And so I work really hard to stay focused in the current time and not let myself mm -hmm. think out beyond. Did you craft those mindsets as mm -hmm. you went through this experience? Did you talk to somebody that gave you that? the guidance for that? Or is this just something that kind of happened yeah. to you? No, it, it's something that happened to me because mm. like I said, I like systems. I like a process mm -hmm. that I can follow to be successful. And I knew if I stuck with those three markers mm -hmm. that the probability of my healing and my recovery would be higher. Mm. And so in conversation with Dr. Cassidy, I told him those very same things. And he goes, man, I wish all of my patients would have that philosophy. Would you be willing to talk to some of them? And so since then, I've connected with some of his current patients who are struggling, mm. you know, who, who need a benefit from someone else's perspective, someone else who's been through a, a similar diagnosis and treatment. Yeah. But how do you stay above it? How do mm. you not get sucked down? Because it's so easy mm -hmm. to get caught up in the bad side of it. Well, I think once you do also, once you do get caught up in that side of it, it's really hard mm -hmm. to pull yourself out too, Correct. I think. Yeah. 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 Have you been exposed at all to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's um, First Connections program? Mm -mm. So you're, you're a great candidate for this. So the LLS has a program essentially where you can sign up as a survivor and they will match you to patients that have similar life conditions to you who are newly diagnosed. Okay. And they'll give you their phone number, right? Well, first they'll ask you if you're willing to reach out and then yeah. you'll get, you'll get their contact information and, and call them and just have those, those very discussions. I mean, most yeah. of it is just listening, honestly, yeah. right? Because if you remember, um, your own experience, like the, the beginning of it is, can be very fearful and just yes. lots of, curiosity and, and things like yes. that but um so a lot of it is just listening to their their concerns yeah. and things like that yeah. but you will get to a point with these folks where they start asking those types of questions and you yeah. i mean that is some spectacular yeah. advice to give to people yeah. and um, i volunteer at scca my husband and i actually both volunteer within their new employee trainings because they like to have patients and care providers or caregivers to um, join in and kind of talk from a personal perspective yeah. with these new employees to better understand their potential impact upon the patients that are cared for. Um, and that has been really powerful. It's been very interesting to hear the questions that they're most curious about. You know, they're looking for examples of standout situations that I, the patient, remember a, a provider or an employee oh, did yeah. on my behalf and that made a difference yeah. in my outlook. And so good or bad, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's been really, how'd you fruitful. get involved in that? Just out of curiosity, like what was the connection there? Well, I reached out to them okay. because I've been doing this on a sidebar without formal structure in place mm. just because of friends and family Mm -hmm. that are going through something similar and uh, mostly friends who say, gosh, I have a friend who was just diagnosed with X. They're also at SCCA. Would you be willing to kind of talk about your experience? 
and I'm always happy to do that if it helps, right? Because it's, yeah. I was never in a place where I accepted those invitations because that's not how I function. Yeah. Um, but for others, it does help. Yeah. And, and so any opportunity to do that, I just jump at. Yeah. Because I know that can make a difference. Um, in addition, uh, my husband and I created a fellowship, believe it or not, this is in honor of one of the nurse practitioners who in essence was the inspiration behind the transplant. And so in her honor, we created this fellowship that would fund other nurses who aspire to be oncology nurse practitioners to get through that education. So that helps them oh, wow. with the funding because she is so amazing. I mean, the more of her, the better, right? Who's she? Her name is Molly, Molly Inden. Okay. Um, she's no longer within our system. She works in a di different health system now. Okay. Um, but she is like the quintessential advocate that you would want as a patient on your yeah. side. Hmm. So our hope is that the more people who are trained and educated like Molly is, the more it'll benefit the rest of us yeah. in the future. Amazing. Oh, and so your husband is also doing the same type of um, volunteer work at the SCCA, but he's coming at it from the side of a caregiver, right? Correct. So he has Correct. a different set of yes. interactions yes. and expectations. And awarenesses, and, right? Yeah. Because his lens is twenty twenty, Mine wasn't, yeah. especially during that heavy period. Yeah. Um, so I think his perspective is very unique. And really special. Um, we're not. We never sit side by side and share our story together, because that is too difficult, mm. right? I think he likes to be able to do it on his own as much as I do. Yeah. And so we can still be impactful, but we don't do it together. So that's interesting how you described it as being difficult, because um, I was somebody who early on, after I survived, I got really involved in giving lots of speeches at fundraisers mm -hmm. for Fred Hutch, LLS, mm -hmm. um, and the SCCA. And um, after I did the first couple, let's just say my wife became less enthusiastic to come to those you than did. she was at first. Yeah. And at first I was a little, I guess I was a little maybe hurt, like my feelings yeah. were hurt by it, but she explained it and it's really easy to understand now, but it was a completely different experience for her. And oh, for yeah. me, yeah. it's a victory. Like for me, it's an achievement. It's an accomplishment for her. There was so much fear and concern and lack of control, control yeah. and all yeah. of those things that, yeah that maybe for your husband yeah. you know it's a different way different experience yes. for him as well yes. you think and i think that's thing? why they like both type speakers yeah. because our experiences are very different and i yeah. think you're spot on with that fear factor because i i wasn't in a place to be afraid right i was yeah. just in a place to take the medications and the treatments and the process yeah. to get better yeah whereas he saw all the crappy stuff that yeah. I don't remember or didn't remember even then. Yeah. So you're right. It's a totally different lens that the caregiver looks through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do RJ, doesn't it sound like she, they're in the same program that Keo Capistani may be involved in? Have you met him? It's absolutely the same. I know yeah. it's the, it has to be because she described it perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We talked you, to a, another volunteer cancer survivor KO? that does. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, He's in his 80s, a yeah. gentleman with an accent. You would probably remember him. If, yeah. Um, he was very, yeah. he was a happy dude. He yeah. Was, yeah. Great guy. That's awesome. He, he told us about that just not too long ago. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very cool. So, well, it feels to me like, would you say that you felt some sort of calling then to do some additional outreach or, or support or help mm -hmm. after you got better? Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because I know in the, these sidebar conversations that I am having um, that people struggle, you know, yeah. people have a ton of questions. Granted, I don't answer anything medical. I only talk about my own experience, my own philosophies, my yeah. own pain and suffering. I can't superimpose what I had upon you or the treatments in place of that. Um, so I have to be really thoughtful. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of questions come up, you know, people, 
people want an answer and I'm not right. a provider, right? Yeah. I can't, I can't make them better, right. nor will I tell them something that may make them better. No, but 100% of the goal of this podcast is to share stories of people yes. who have been through tough stuff yes. and survived it, right? And I agree. what yeah. did you do? Like you, you articulated three like very specific things, right? So trust in, find caregivers you trust in and just trust in them, right? Yes. Live one day at a time, like, yes, you know, just focus on today. And then yes. the third thing is realize like this too, essentially this too shall pass, right? Like Correct. this, what I'm in right now is temporary. And Correct. yeah, I mean, those are, and, and those are things that are, can be extraordinarily powerful for other people mm -hmm. to adopt. So yes. And it know. makes a difference. At least it did for me, yeah. you know, the way I, the way I think, the way I function, that mantra yeah. kind of pushed me in the right direction and yeah. kept me above all the nastiness yeah. that comes with this. Right. And the result now, you know, in addition to the great care, but that yes. all of that stuff like has resulted in, you know, a complete remission for you and right. um right you know and while someday you're no gvhd i was gonna point. say while you're still <laughs> yeah. battling it like yes. this too shall pass yes. right like you're working on tapering and all those yes. kinds of things so man it, just a huge thanks to you not just for sharing your story with the the listeners but also for everything you're doing i mean the stuff oh, you're yeah. doing for nurses and, yeah. and helping and you know drive them towards you know, the mindset of somebody yes. that you admired so much and was so impactful to you and the yes. work you're doing with the new hires at the Cancer Care Alliance, like, yes, huge thanks for that. And it, we definitely want to get as, um, you know, some links or information, right, that we can point people to for those, particularly for the, um, is it a grant that you're doing? It's for a fellowship. A fellowship, okay. Mm -hmm. Which okay. is like a scholarship, right? Okay. But for advanced education, so wow. these RNs are already in the nursing school and looking at aspirationally, what am I going to do after? Yeah. Well, gosh, here's a resource if I'm considering going into nurse practitioner oncology. Huh. Here's here's some funding that helps me with some of those financial milestones. Amazing. Well, so how do you guys, how do you acquire that funding? Like, do you do fundraisers or no, 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 donors no. We, or you No, we, we made a big gift to get the oh, fund donated. established. Wow, okay. And then I constantly give through my paycheck, Amazing. every paycheck. Oh my goodness. To keep it growing. Yeah. Um, as a percentage of it is distributed into a scholarship for a student. And that was supposed to begin this year, but I think with COVID, that's low priority. Sure. Maybe next year we'll yeah. make the first award. Oh my goodness. I hope. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Well, yeah. we'll be sure to e email me something that we can, you know, provide people information on that. I, I, like, it, it'd be nice if we can somehow inspire our listeners to be able to donate to that or, or some contribute yeah. somehow. Yeah. Like we'd like to... We'd like to make yeah. that as possible. Yeah, that can. would be amazing. Yeah. Because the bigger the principal, the bigger the distribution, right? Only 4% is distributed from that principal. And so the bigger the balance is, like a savings account, yeah. the more comes off yeah. to benefit a student. Wow. And the yeah. more students you could eventually impact, right? Potentially. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Amazing. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share? Do you feel like you uh, you got your story out, or? Yeah, I like feel like it. Else? I mean, I mean that's a pretty comprehensive uh, canvas of that yeah. process. Um, yeah. I don't know what it would be like to be in another state, another town. Um, I think I'm very advantageous that I live where I am, yeah, and that I work where I work. Yeah, I mean, it really has been um, to my benefit. Yeah. to work for UW Medicine Advancement and to physically be in a place where I can be a patient at SCCA without relocating like you did. Yeah, true. And that's, that's a real gift. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much again, Christine, for sharing your story and, um, you know, yeah, best, you, best wishes to you in the future and we'll definitely stay in touch. That sounds great. Thank sounds you. Good. Okay, thanks Bye. a lot. Have a good okay. one. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. To find information about today's episode, how to support the podcast, or find out how you can share your story, 
go to fullofhopepodcast.com. All of our social media info is there, or you can just look on all platforms for Full of Hope Podcast. In the next episode, we will talk to an amazing pair of people, Ryan Dwyer and his young stepdaughter, Violet, about what happens when both of them end up in their own cancer battles at the same time. We'll focus mostly on Violet's story as we learn what she did to fight a lymphoma that is usually found in people in their 60s. Thank you so much for listening and sharing with a friend. And until next time, this is RJ reminding you that Christine's story is living proof that there is so much reason to be full of hope. Hope.